I am not going to belabor the time and read Alderman King's bio because by my calculations, who in this room does not know Alderman? Yeah, that's what I figured. So um, you can go to our website, her website, wherever you'd like to go to read more about her if you feel that you need to. And those that are watching online, obviously you have access to the bio as, as it stands. Um, this has been a long, however many months we've been on this road. And as we come into these last couple of weeks, I think we're going to hear um, some very important information. So we look forward to hearing what Alderman King has to say. Um, Al, thank you for being here today with her. That means a lot to us. I'm over here. Okay, I thought you were looking that way. Thank you so much. And I think, Dan, thank the sponsors. Did you or did you? Okay, if you didn't, thank you all for being here. Um, I won't belabor the time anymore, Alderman. Let's hear from Alderman Sophia King. As a, as a teacher, former teacher, I appreciate her style um, because most people know, you know, you raise your hand to be quiet. But really, in a classroom, if you want people to be quiet, you just start talking a little bit lower so that people can hear you and they're quiet. And Jackie has that style to bring us all together. Um, so good morning, everyone. Good morning, um, and thank you all for being here. Thank you to the City Club, to uh, Dan, Omar, Jackie. Uh, appreciate your hospitality here, and to all of you who came out this morning. Um, it's an honor for me uh, to be here today before you all uh, to, to share uh, my our vision uh, for the city that we all love. Um, but before I begin, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank my team uh, back there that Jackie acknowledged. Yes, youth, exuberance, experience, expertise. You're only as good as your team. So special shout out to them. Um, my sister is in the audience. Just want to say hello to her. If you see her, <laughs> sometimes she doubles as me, um, <laughs> which is a good thing. <laughs> Remember the Bob Billiken parade where you ran on one side, I ran on the other? Well, anyway, it's our, it's our hidden secret. Um, but she's my, my baby sister, so happy to have her here. Um, and definitely my husband, um, who's been my rock. Alan, Alan King, lawyer to some, DJ to others, husband to me. Um, thank you. Thank you for all of your support. Um, and of course, all of my friends, I, I could not begin to name uh, all of my friends who are here, but it's always, always good to see you and along uh, the campaign trail when you guys show up, it's just extra special to get that hug from all of you. So thank you for being here. Um, and then, of course, all of the Chicagoans uh, who have humbly gotten uh, behind our vision 
thank you. Thank you to all of you uh, for getting behind our vision. It, it's definitely catching on. Um, and I'm especially grateful uh, that so many of you are here because the polls would suggest that n nobody knows me. Um, but we also know uh, that the polls aren't always right and everybody has one. Uh, there's a saying, I won't go into it, but <laughs> I think some of you know it. Um, but so for those of you who don't know me, I'm Sophia King. I've been serving the city uh, for the past six and a half years as alderman. It's a city uh, that I love, that I know all of you love, uh, but we are truly, you know, at a pivotal point in, in this city. Um, there is a lot of dissension uh, between the administration and the police and our teachers uh, with all of my colleagues leaving, uh, 16 of us leaving uh, the city council, uh, we're truly at a pivotal point. Um, and we really need some stability um, in the city. Uh, Chicago deserves a mayor who truly leads with collaboration to get things done. And that's what I'm offering. I will be a mayor that leads with collaboration to bring us all together uh, to get things done. And I've shown this over the past six and a half years as alderman of uh, uh, the Fourth Ward uh, in Chicago, whether it's leading the fight for a $15 minimum wage, which really brought you know both advocates and adversaries together. Uh, and we ended up with landmark legislation. We sat down at a table, we came together, we talked about the um, upsides and downsides um, and came up with landmark legislation and really truly we know now that 15 isn't enough that you know uh, people aren't working for $20 an hour now um, so we were really ahead of our time but I think the biggest piece of that is really coming together to talk about how it will impact everybody and then coming out with solutions and decisions. Uh, we did this also with the Michael Reese development, um, a development uh, that's one of four striking developments in the city of Chicago, right? We've got the 78, we've got Lincoln Yards, uh, we've got the Obama Library, uh, and the former Michael Reese site, now called Bronzeville Lakefront. But the difference with all of those is that ours didn't have any, I will say, public dissension. Uh, we, we were in rooms talking about what our priorities were, what the community's priorities were, what the developer wanted. Uh, but grown people came in a room, talked about those things uh, in very passionate, uh, and came out with solutions. And now it's being heralded as one of the most equitable developments in the city. That's the type of leadership that we need, uh, that comes in a room, hears all sides, and comes out with hard solutions. Now we've got a $25 million commitment for education. We've got a 20% commitment for affordable housing on site. We've got a commitment to 60% uh, diversity. These are things that we can do. It can show that both the developer can have an upside and the community uh, can have an upside. That power of and, which you will continue to hear, but it's, it's powerful. We don't have to um, accept these false narratives that separate us as a city, as a community. Um, and so these are some of the things that, that I will continue to do and lead with um, by bringing the community together making hard decisions, and moving forward 
as a city. But Chicago also deserves a mayor that can represent the entire city, not just segregated parts of our city. Uh, I keep telling people I represent a very diverse microcosm of the city of Chicago, from downtown Jackson all the way to Hyde Park uh, with Bronzeville in the middle. I've got five times as much lakefront as anybody else. Soldier Field, hopefully the Bears will still be there. Uh, Northerly Island, Grant Park, Museum Campus, uh, some of the richest places in the city, some of the most under-resourced areas in the city. But cranes are flying in every single part of the city. Again, showing that if we come together and and lead with collaboration that we can get things done as a city. Uh, Michigan Avenue, we had uh, 1,000M. During the turn down in the economy, they were going to stop uh, because they had said they said they wanted to build condos, um, and that's what the plan development said. But we went back to the community and we said, listen, there's been a turn in the economy. Uh, they need to be able to switch to rental units. There was pushback, but we talked. And now cranes are flying, they're rental units, community's happy. Same in Bronzeville. We've got tons of development that's going on there. Um, and minority participation, 40% is a floor in the billions of dollars of of development that we have going. Um, so we're not listening to these false narratives that are out there. We are building our city together. We're doing it in an equitable fashion. And it's making our community better and stronger. An equitable Chicago is a strong Chicago. We will continue to do that. But the, the elephant in the room, no matter where I am, in the city, in the ward, what part, the under-resourced areas, the most resourced areas, the number one issue I get is where are the police? We want more police presence. That is the number one question that I get, which tells me that there is still a respect and a deference for our police. Now we know that they are not the only solution, but they are part of our community. They're our brothers, they're our sisters, our uncles, our cousins. I literally went bowling uh, with uh, the Black Police, Noble, the National Organization of Black uh, Law Enforcement, uh, all out of uniform. They, they look just like us in the room. And they said, we want to hold police accountable. That makes our job a lot easier. So we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We can't, you know, have, again, these false narratives about defunding the police or law and order. Most people understand that we can uplift our police and we can hold them accountable. They're not mutually exclusive. So they are part of our community. And we have a plan that uses them as part of our community. We have a plan that puts more police in all of our communities, day one, I've literally encouraged the mayor to use this plan now because we are truly um, in a crisis where crime is everywhere. Our heads are on a swivel. So we can literally go 
from three shifts to shoot to two shifts. I'm going to break this down. In other cities, they do this. Uh, they do this in other big cities where they have a four-day work week and then three days off. So you have four days on, three days off. Officers get the rest, the mental uh, help and rest that they need and deserve. Um, but three shifts. So say in a district you have 90 officers, get 30 officers on each shift. But if you go to two shifts, you get 45. My sister's a math teacher. That's 50% more officers, right? 50%. So we can, without any other changes, have 50% more officers in all of our communities without changing anything except a work day or work week that actually gives our officers more rest. We can implement this right away. So we can have up to 50% more officers in all of our communities, and especially in the communities that need them the most. We don't have that right now. Another idea that we can do right away, New York City has reserve officers, 4,000 of them. We don't have any. We don't have any retired officers. So they have a reserve unit of only retired officers um, who are there, for surge times or surge opportunities that we can put also on our uh, CTA, for instance, or during a festival, you know, where you need more officers, you don't pull them for them from the neighborhoods. You have your your reserve team uh, coming in. Um, so these are things that we can do immediately, and that and that we should do immediately to deal to deal with the immediacy of now. You know, I have a number of candidates saying, you know, we've got to invest in people. We've got to, and, and I get that. Yes, we do. We do have to invest in people. But doing that is not going to stop somebody with a gun at your head trying to carjack you. So we we need our officers as part of our plan. Again, they are not the only solution, which is why we also have a strong violence intervention plan. We have to get at the root causes. Again, our plan is something that's built in metrics. It's been done before. We are saying that we can put hundreds of millions of dollars a year into violence intervention now so that we're not back here in 10 or 20 years. So we are recommending that we put $600 a week into identified youth. Actually, doesn't have to be youth, but those who are um, our most vulnerable citizens, either returning citizens, those likely to be shot, get shot, um, that we put invest $600 a week into them as an incentive for them to come into the legal economy or to come into the economy at all. Um, but with that comes responsibility. Job training, so we can train them for the jobs of the future. Uh, wraparound services for them family, because we know that it often begins with the family, right? Uh, mental health support, trauma-informed care, and it's the community that's doing this. They've done this in Boston. They've done this in other big cities. We could put this resources into these young people so that they don't have to choose. We can wrap our, the community around them so clergy should be involved. Our uh, police are involved. The community comes and sits down with the family and said, look, Johnny's on the wrong path, but we can put you on the right path. And we can put resources into you now so that you don't have to choose the bad path.
that's going to end up with you not probably being here. And I've had, I've talked to, talk to uh, violence intervention folks who work in this area, um, uh, ECCSC, ex-cons for community and social change. Um, and the leader told me one thing that I'll never forget. He said, a cub knows when a lion is in the room. And especially if that lion loves that cub. And so we need to escalate what they're doing in our communities to make sure, again, that we are not back here in 10 to 20 years. Because we've been here before. We've been here in the 90s. We've been here in the 70s. But probably the one that I learned the most that shifted how I was thinking was we were here in the 40s, in the 40s. The Italians, the Irish were fighting each other over another drug, alcohol, right? Remember that? But we put resources behind that. We called it the New Deal. We called it the 30-year mortgage. We called it the GI Bill. And we literally ended up with Lincoln Park. So we know if we put resources into a crisis, we can come out on the other side of it with good things. That's what I'm proposing. Again, Police are not the only solution. We have to get to violence intervention. We also know that over 50% of calls to 911 are for nonviolent offenses, right? They're for your mental health insecurities. They're for your homeless insecurities and other insecurities around poverty. So we don't need police to respond to those. They're not trained to respond to those. They don't want to respond to those. It's a win-win. We can have clinicians and people who are trained to respond to those. Guess what? We helped start a pilot program that actually exists in our city right now in three different districts where you've got non-police responding, fire, clinicians who are responding, but it's only three hours a day uh, in three different police districts we need to escalate that. And we gave this administration money to escalate that. We gave her money. We gave her $85 million to put into violence intervention in 2022. And less than five got out the door. I don't even know if the five is out the door, quite frankly. And it's 2023. So if this is a priority, we have to make it a priority. So again, a very comprehensive approach to violence. Police are part of that, violence intervention, alternative responses to policing. We also know that our kids are disengaged. We have to engage them. As an educator, I know, I know that the best thing you can do for a young person is find out where they're passionate for two reasons. Same thing I did with my kid. You want to find out what they're interested in, feed their passion because you want them to be a whole person. But pragmatically, you also want to hold it over their head when they're out of line, <laughs> right? I mean, I, we, you know this. So there's no reason why K through 12, we shouldn't have an engagement program. It's low cost. In our ward, we literally spent $6,000 each school. We have six elementary schools. We had a nonprofit. We put $6,000 into each school, and they, they were able to have after-school programs, soccer, chess, Tennis, we have to put that money into our kids now so that they're engaged. We cut all these things and we wonder why kids have gone awry. 
as a chemist, as a chemistry teacher, I know that chaos is actually, or is the, the, uh, the way that the world is set up for chaos. It's really, and we have to plan and make sure that we have order. So we have to make sure our kids are engaged. So education is a huge part of our platform as an educator. I, I would normally lead with that, but the, the violence obviously is something. If we don't have safety in good schools, people are going to continue to leave our, our city or, or not come. Um, so again, uh, engagement or what I would call co-curricular education has to be equally as strong in our schools. And we can do that K through 12 easily. We also have to bring the trades back to our schools in a very meaningful way. Again, <clears throat> again, we can't throw the baby out with a bathwater. We can do both. We can prepare our kids for college and we can prepare them for the trades, for the tech industry, for the jobs of the future. Over 60, 70% of our jobs are in the tech industry. You can't open your hood right now without understanding technology with the chips and all of the digital thing, we have to train our kids for the jobs of the future. So we have to bring trades and tech back to our schools in a meaningful way. Again, we did this during the Depression. We had work. We had the trades where people were learning skills in school, 11th, 12th grade, so that they were exposed to the jobs of the future. We can do that again easily. That's something that we can do right away. Incentivizing our teachers there are two professions where we lay everything at their feet that we are unable to solve, and we're asking them to do yeoman's work. That's teachers and police, quite frankly. And they're both leaving our city faster than we can keep them. So we have to incentivize them. We have a program that with city-backed bonds, we can give them 0% interest loans. They can buy lots for a dollar, help build our communities, live in the communities. I see my sisters. She's like, okay, <laughs> when are we going to do that? No, seriously. Um, you know, zero interest loans, down payment assistance, all of these lots, vacant lots that we have in our communities, they can move into our community. Um, and we can grow our community and incentivize and let our teachers, uh, first responders, we call them essential for like six months. Okay, especially anybody who had kids who was home with their own kids. They were like, oh, teachers are the bomb. I can't wait till our kids get back. Um, so these are things that we can do immediately. These are, it's not rocket science. It's not something that's going to take uh, a lot of resources. We can do this immediately. Mm -hmm. um, my last education point I will bring is bringing selective enrollment with a strong neighborhood component to every community. I have a school, Kenwood, the principal, Kenwood, raise your hand, please, Principal Calloway. <laughs> Thank you. Kenwood is the best high school in the city. I can just say that unabashedly. Um, it has test scores like Jones, which is a solely selective enrollment, also in my ward, selective enrollment school. Um, but it, it's a neighborhood school. Everybody can go to Kenwood. 
It has a seventh and eighth grade selective enrollment uh, program that feeds into the high school, and then the high school is a neighborhood um, school. And it has test scores like Jones. So we've been trying to, to make the outside look like what Principal Calloway has going on and the inside putting resources into that school. But we can duplicate that school type of school all over the city. Uh, nothing to me drives economic development in a community like a great school, a great school. And so these are things that we can do. We can wrap that also in um, incentives to bring uh, development and housing there. I would use a tool called Opportunity Zones, which they've tweaked in Congress now um, to bring billions of dollars of incentives and developments to all of those under-resourced communities. So our community should be anchored in good schools um, and housing filled with our teachers and our first responders and other people who want to live there. And so we can begin to build our neighborhoods again. And we have to build downtown, too. Again, we can build our neighborhoods and we can build downtown. Downtown is the heartbeat of our city. We cannot let it go. Um, we live in a miraculous city. I believe it should be the Silicon Valley of the Midwest. Um, and so we have to support uh, tech you know, from kindergarten all the way through um, our businesses that are locating here. We can't have them continue to go to Atlanta. Literally, Atlanta is becoming the tech hub uh, besides outside of Silicon Valley. And we can do that. We have the infrastructure. We have the diversity. We have the talent here that leaves us. We can't continue to let it leave uh, the city of Chicago. We should harness it. We're an affordable city. We're not New York. We're not San Francisco. Hell, we got water. We're not California. Seriously. So the Department of Environment is seriously important because we can't take uh, that uh, for granted. Um, but we are a great city. And we have to harness the power again uh, of our great city and really let people know what's going on in Chicago. This is no time to be flying the plane and building it at the same time. We did that. What I'm offering is somebody with a track record of getting things done, of working with people, bringing them together to move projects together in a meaningful way. We have to come together as a city I can't continue to stress that we cannot let these false narratives on the fringe control the narrative of our city. We are the city of big shoulders. We can do a lot of things together at once, which is why I keep saying that we can have safety and justice. We can uplift our police and hold them accountable. We can build our downtown and our neighborhoods. We can prepare our kids for college and the trades. An equitable Chicago is a strong Chicago. And a strong Chicago is a safe Chicago. Thank you all. Please join us. Thank you. Questions? Thank you. Thank you.
o'clock. I know you might have some questions. <laughs> did you take my sisters out? I didn't. I did not. I actually. Well, see, I I can tell this is a crowd that knows the alderman because there are so few questions. Oh, that's okay. I'm going to give you a chance to get some water if you'd like. Yes, I'll take a sip. Thank you. We are going to figure this out. I don't know why we keep having these glasses of water up here. Why don't we just have a bottle of water? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. So the first question comes from Sandy. Omar, you probably want to talk to Sandy. She's not a, she's not a member, but I think, I think Loop might be, so, you know. I'm not trying to bust anybody out here, but if you're not a member, Omar's probably going to come for you. And he's such a daunting guy. You know, you're going to look at him and be totally afraid as soon as you see him. So, so Sandy Reynolds' question is, with the Bears closing on the land in Arlington Heights, what would your administration's strategy be to maintain to grow Soldier Field's viability in Chicago? Good question. Yeah. So I would still seek to keep the Bears here. I, I think there's an opportunity. I mean, I, again, I believe it was really kind of a combative style um, that pushed them away uh, to begin with. Um, they need incentives no matter where they go. The Bears need incentives. They need incentives from the state. Um, it's my position that we can make more money together because I would make sure that it's a collaboration uh, with the Bears in the city because we could make money seven days a week with all of the uh, people who are in the city, it's where it's located. We can make it a seven day kind of campus. Um, and so I think that is, would be more attractive than having, you know, kind of one day a week on game days or what have you. So I believe there's a model where we can keep, um, the bears in the city. I think we have to change the campus. I think the city is open to that. Um, and we have to obviously have strong conversations with a lot of stakeholders. Uh, but I think if we're, if the state is going to give them incentives, it should be for the city of Chicago, because I think the upside for both the Bears and the city would be greater um, if it were in the city of Chicago. So I, I have not accepted uh, that the Bears are leaving. I know they closed, you know, on um, Arlington uh, site, uh, but they also said that that does not mean um, that that is where they will locate. So uh, I would seek to sit down with them. In fact, I already called uh, the, the president, well, the, the former president before, and that's where I had the question, cancer. And he specifically said to me, we cannot talk right now, but as soon as that deal closes, which it did, we can have conversations again. So I would seek to have those conversations um, and to bring uh, the bears here to the city. I think there's a model where, again, both the city uh, can see an upside and the bears can see an upside. So thank you for that question. <coughs> Alderman, you've talked a lot about collaboration. We can do this and that. We can do um, uplift the police and, you know, still help them with the things that they need help with. Um, would you have an office or a, a team or a special persons in your in your administration to build that kind of thing out? Because I don't know that that's something that we have today. Yeah. No, we... We would definitely have a Department of Gun Violence uh, Prevention, which we don't. 
um, have uh, in the city. Uh, obviously, we have to address the consent decree, uh, which we're not doing well. You know, fire the proud boy, not the officer who's over the consent decree. Um, so we have to be more intentional about making sure uh, that the relationship between police and our community is intentional. Uh, inequity did not happen uh, in a vacuum. It happened intentionally. We have to meet that with uh, equal uh, measure of intentionality. So the consent decree, uh, following those uh, measures that are pointed out in the consent decree training, uh, our officers is truly important. Um, but having uh, an office of gun violence intervention and somebody who understands the complexities of, you know, those relationships, we need to make sure that they are leading that effort. Um, so I would definitely have uh, an office uh, of gun violence intervention that's funded uh, that, again, is making sure that we have violence intervention money going out the door, making sure that our uh, um alternative forms of policing are there and also making sure that the police and community relationship um, it starts to heal. Um, but part of that comes with training, um, uplifting the police, having them feel a part of our community, and also uh, taking measures to make sure that the community feels safe as well. And so those are things that would be led in our new Office of Gun Violence Prevention. Okay, I'm going to fire off some, some uh, you can fly. <laughs> I'm going to fire off some here because now we have a lot of questions. So is it true that you're an awesome soccer player? <laughs> awesome might be an overstatement, uh, but, but we did win state in high school. Um, I'm a Title IX baby, though, so I, I actually uh, got into three colleges, uh, the University of Illinois, uh, Indiana, and Northwestern. And do you know not one of them had a college program for women at the time. So I played club soccer at University of Illinois, um, but I'm an okay soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> so principal, the other principal's name is Nate Rouse. And I would not have probably told that story if I knew you were the principal. Because I might have grandkids that go to Kimmel or something like that. I don't, I don't know. You would want them to. <laughs> yeah, but I just told a really bad story about my son. And Sorry. You may know something. I know, Greg. Why didn't you stop me? <laughs> I'm going on about how my son just acted up. and I'm sorry, Trevor. Um, where are the $1 lots? Oh. I don't know who asked that because you were smart enough not to put your name down. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we have vacant lots all over the city, mainly on the south and west side, obviously, uh, because of a lot of the disinvestment um, that is seen in those communities. Um, but, you know, a lot of developers come in and, and try and buy them and sit on them and don't take care of them. And um, we should sell them to people um, who will invest in our community. Uh, and those are lots that we can sell for a dollar. Uh, that's a city council move. So there are literally thousands of lots. I mean, in my ward alone, I have about 400 vacant lots, some of them along the lakefront. I mean, it's, it's great, great land, great opportunity, uh, but an opportunity to, to grow our community um, like we'd like to see it. Um, Robert Scott, are you in the room? Where are you? Oh. Nice gentleman. I spoke to him earlier. His comment is, please hire from within when starting a, a police chief. 
Yes. Definitely. That was the comment. Definitely. Rank and file. That's the post, as the young folks say. Uh-oh, he's got a follow-up. Oh. <clears throat> oh. Thank you, Mayor. <laughs> I had a problem with the previous two mayors going outside of the city hiring a police chief. When we had three women, deputy superintendents that were qualified to be the superintendent of police in this city. Right. We don't need to go to Texas or West Hill or anywhere else to hire anyone to police this city, but someone that lives here and knows this city. That's right. I, need, yep. I need for you to say enough is enough. Enough is enough. Right here. No, we we have so much talent in this city, uh, especially, you know, on our police department and the rank and file. Our city is very unique. You you have to have somebody who understands the intricacies of the different neighborhoods, the communities, the politics of Chicago. So definitely we'll hire uh, from the rank and file. But thank you for that. Appreciate it. I'm going to fire these off, these two off really quickly. Mike Golliser, Colliser, Glasser. Mike, where are you? You know, I'm telling you, these lights are bright. Okay. Omar, it's safe. He's a member. He says, are there too many? Oh, he's from the MBOA? Neighborhood building. Oh, neighborhood building. Okay. Um, Are there too many aldermen? Uh (laughs) Yeah. So it might sound self-serving, but as a city council person, no, I I don't think so. Literally, you know, we've got uh, 50 aldermen that serve about 50,000 people. Um, but we represent you. We are literally your eyes and ears and city council. We represent your voice. And that's how the city council was set up, you know, for there to be strong city council, weak mayor. Um, and that's the type of governance we have. Nobody knows our city better than the people who represent all of you in a very intricate fashion. I would seek to decentralize uh, because I think a lot of things are just caught up uh, in what I would say is a power grab. They're calling it, you know, aldermanic prerogative, but really aldermanic prerogative is your prerogative. You elect city council and they uh, uh, should carry your voice to city council. The irony is, is we share the same constituents. And so it would behoove us to get along. But I, I do think 50 uh, aldermen representing, I think they need more staff, quite frankly, uh, because of all of the services. And I would uh, seek to decentralize so the services are closer uh, to the people. Uh, thank you. So this is the last question. We have a couple of other things we have to take care of. Charlesia, are you in the room? There, Charlesia. Um how would you address the migrant and homeless people already here in Chicago? Yeah, good question. So, you know, there's a question, there's been a question, you know, about um, being a welcoming city. And, and I always say that that's not the question. It's, it's the process. We should always be welcoming. But we have to take care of home, too. So if people don't feel welcomed in their own city, then it's hard to welcome others. We should. 
again, we're the city of big shoulders. We can, we have the resources, but we also have to take care of our own. We can't just do it when the lights are on, you know, when, when the cameras are there and we know that, you know, people are watching us. We have to do it when they're not. Um, and so, you know, as uh, aldermen in the fourth ward, we opened up our uh, ward to uh, the homeless community. Uh, when congregate settings weren't safe, but a lot of my colleagues were like, not in my backyard. Now, what we did in our backyard is we went to our residents and said, there, the, there are homeless people who need a place to stay. Uh, let's have that conversation. And do you know they welcomed and brought clothes and did after the conversation? That's, that's the type of city that we have. But again, we have to grow our housing stock. Uh, we have to grow our housing stock to make sure that it's affordable so that we can house people because that's our, the real issue is there's really not enough housing and, and people don't want to live in congregate settings. I'll, I'll just share this one example, the fire a lot of you know about that happened on Lake Park uh, in my ward uh, with 130 units displaced. Um, they were offered congregate setting, literally, um, at a church where they would set up in cots. Nobody wanted to do that. They devastating, lost everything. And all they really wanted was a little space, a peace of mind that they could have to themselves. Um, but that's how our homeless population is too. They, they want their own space that they can have, that they don't have to get up at six in the morning and leave, that they don't have to leave their families to go to. So we have to rec recognize the humanity in that. Uh, but again, the, the folks in the fire, these are people paying their mortgage every, they were homeless, displaced, and did not want to go to a congregate setting. So we just have to remember that humanity all the time. Thank you. Thank you, Alderman. Thank you. Um, a couple of things. Uh, one, also thank you for last Thursday. You did a great. Don't go anywhere. Oh, You're not done yet. I've got to get people. Lately, all of our guests have been like, "Okay, I'm done. I got to get down." Like, I'm, no, we have things I'm we have to Ryan. do. <laughs> Um, did a great job on Thursday night. Thank you. Um, for those who were not here, we had all of the candidates here, and um, it was a ton of fun. Who was here? I didn't get gonged. She did not get gonged. She did not get gonged. It was a great time. Um, we had um, a wonderful DJ. I heard he's getting some pub, and uh, and I'll save my last point till till just a second. I want to give you your. Um, your, 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 your membership. I know you've been here before, but thank you. And we hope you use it. You will use it. Thank you. And, and the other point I was going to make about last Thursday was Alpina Singh was our, uh, MC of sorts. And, uh, she made a craft drink. Greg, you missed it. It was a Chicago style Manhattan called My Kind of Town. It was really, I mean, if you drink that kind of thing, I, you know, you, somebody said I do. I heard that. <laughs> Um, one of your points, just so you know that your supporters are supporting you, um, I just read someone's lips as you were talking, and they said that's the way it should be about the homeless. So I, I saw that from the person who didn't think I saw it. So um, let's see here. I'll just draw since we're running late on time. I'm closing my eyes. And the winner of the $200 gift certificate for dinner at Alpina Singh's restaurant. If you don't know who she is, she's a fabulous sommelier. You're like, I hope it's me, right? <laughs> I hope it's you too. Let's see. It is, oh, 
It's not you. Oh. <laughs> it's Kevin Pitts, Director of Engage Donor Engagement at Big Shoulders Fund. So, Kevin, Amanda will take care of you. You have a wonderful $200 gift certificate to take someone out to dinner. How cool, right? How cool. Um, if you have not been engaged with the City Club of Chicago, please plan to do so. We've got so much great programming coming, and Dan, um, our CEO, Amanda, our whole staff, they are just doing some wonderful new... Yeah, I hear people saying, yes, I agree. Um, they're doing a lot of hard work, and um, it allows me to go back and do the job that I get paid for, so they, they let me... They expect me down the street, so I better get back there. Um, thank you all so much for being here. Please look at our programming and if you'd like to um, join, you're free to do so. And um, we've got a lot of good stuff coming up. So I'm going to let you guys go and enjoy the rest of your day. We're going to get a quick picture with Dan when he comes up. Thank you all so much. We appreciate you. We are adjourned. Thank you.